Hello and welcome to the commentary for lesson 336, 2 Kings chapter 5. We're continuing with the story of Elisha and here we come to the healing of Naaman. And it is interesting that verse 1 tells us the king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army, because through him the Lord had given Aram great victories. But although Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. Now, it's hard to imagine that someone with leprosy could hold such a position and such admiration of a king because remember Job, when he had leprosy, he was like this homeless, powerless person begging on the streets. So here we see a very different picture and it can be a little bit confusing. So I just want to read um, something from my study Bible. In fact, I'll refer to my study Bible periodically throughout this commentary. It says, leprosy, much like AIDS today, was one of the most feared diseases of the time. Some forms were extremely contagious and in many cases incurable. In its worst forms, leprosy led to death. Many lepers were forced out of the cities into quarantine camps. Because Naaman still held his post, he probably either had a very mild form of the disease or perhaps he was still in its early stages. But either way, his life would have been tragically shortened by the disease. So I just wanted to make that clarification because it does seem a little um, off-putting that a mighty warrior could have leprosy. Um, And so it says in verse 2, At this time, Aramean raiders had invaded the land of Israel, and among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. And one day the girl just casually says to her mistress, I wish my master, and she's talking about Naaman, would go to see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. Well, isn't that perfect? Because Naaman, little does he know that, um, by the way, let me back up a little bit because Aram was Israel's neighbor to the northeast and the two nations were not on friendly terms. And In Elisha's day, King Aram was growing in power and he often raided Israel. And so Israelite captives would often be taken back to the land of Aram after successful raids. So it's ironic that Naaman's servant girl, because she's from Israel, she's familiar with the prophet Elisha. And it's ironic, isn't it, that his only hope of being cured came from Israel. Just kind of an ironic little twist of fate and part of God's plan, I'm sure. In fact, I love that God uses this girl. She's just, we don't know her name. We don't know much about her. She's just this poor little servant girl. But it just goes to show us, regardless of our station in life, we can be used by God. And clearly here she was. It didn't just cure him of his leprosy. This is a bigger picture. Her little conversation with her mistress led to Naaman finding faith in the one true God of Israel. It's much bigger than the healing itself. The healing is just the tool that God used. No matter how humble or small your position, God can use you to spread his word. We should look for opportunities to tell others what God can do. 
There's no telling who will hear your message and how it will affect not just their life, but the lives of those around them. There's a ripple effect when we come into faith believing. And it can be contagious. And so we should never hold back. If we know something about God or we know that God can help somebody in some way, we should not be able to stop ourselves from sharing that. So the king of Aram is excited when he hears about the prophet in Israel. He must really, like it said in verse 1, he had a great admiration for Naaman. So he was all about finding a cure to his leprosy. And so he loads Naaman up with all these gifts to take to the king of Israel. We don't know what the king's intentions are honestly, but he loads him up with 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. Well, the king of Aram doesn't really understand the one true God of Israel, that you can't buy miracles. So I don't know if he's just doing it to be friendly or to befriend the king of Israel, which makes sense because he does have to humble himself before that king because Their relationship is bad. They're not on friendly terms. So in verse 7, that kind of helps you understand why it says when the king of Israel read the letter from king of Aram requesting that he, he allow Naaman to get that healing, he tore his clothes, the king of Israel tore his clothes in dismay and said, this man sends me a leper to heal. Am I God that I can give life and take it away? I can see that he's just trying to pick a fight with me. Well, there's a lot of conflict between those two. So he's jumping to that conclusion, but he's forgetting about Elisha, the prophet. No one expects the king of Israel to heal anybody. And by the way, we don't know which king of Israel this is referring to. Um, This part of the scripture is here for the purpose of telling the story and the miracles of Elisha. And so it's not necessarily in perfect chronological order. But from what I understand, the king was most likely Jehoram, but we cannot know for sure. So anyways, so the king is overreactive. Elisha finds out and he says, why are you so upset? Send Naaman to me and he will learn that there is a true prophet here in Israel. So it's not about you, king. Send him over to me. Let's let God take care of this. But when Naaman, (laughs) he goes with his horses and chariots, he goes to the door of Elisha's house and Elisha doesn't even answer the door. He must have a nice big house. I don't know. Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. Well, Naaman, he responds to that with anger because first of all, he is somebody. He is the commander of the army of the king of Aram. And he comes with all these gifts and he's so offended. I think he's offended, you know, he's prideful, obviously, but I think he's offended that not only will Elisha not even come out to greet him, but that he sends his messenger and he wants him to go and put himself in the Jordan River. It would be one thing if it was a nice big nice, great river, but this was like, the Jordan was small and dirty. And so he probably felt that that alone, what he asked him to do was beneath him. Um, But not only that, I think the most important thing is that 
He says in verse 11, I thought he would certainly come out and meet me to meet me. I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord and heal me. Well, we do expect God's miracles to look a certain way and to come forth a certain way. And so here he had an idea of how this would play out and it didn't play out at all like he thought. And his pride is getting in the way. He says, I could have stayed at home. There's rivers in, you know, Abana and the Farpar, those those rivers, they're much better than this Jordan River. And so he went away in a rage. But his officers reason with him. He finally, you know, agrees to go do what he was told. And so he does. And guess what? He was healed. It says his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child. And he was healed. So Naaman starts singing a different tune. It says Naaman and not just Naaman, his entire party. We don't know how many people were in his party. But you can imagine that they all witnessed this. So this little servant girl didn't just change Naaman and his family. You can imagine, even though it doesn't say it specifically, that there were a lot of people in that party and that they all were affected by this event. Um, So they go back to find the man of God and they stood before him and Naaman says, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. So... I think a good takeaway for that section is that, you know, obedience to God begins with humility. We must believe that this, his way is better than our way. And we may not always understand how he's working, but when we humbly obey him, we will receive his blessings. And we need to remember that God's ways are always best and that he wants our obedience more than anything else. And he can use anything to accomplish his purpose, even a raid and a little servant girl, nobody. So that's pretty cool. And the one curious thing here is um, Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives. Oh, he tries to give gifts to Elisha and Elisha refuses the gifts. He won't accept anything. And Naaman says, all right, but please allow me to load two of my mules with earth from this place. So, and I will take it back home with me. That just lets you know how big this moment was for him and how he is permanently changed. He wants to take the dirt back to it. It reminds me of our military members when they're in other countries. I've heard stories of they've, they've had dirt from the earth or their backyard sent to them there so they can put it on top of, you know, the sandy soil wherever they are in Iraq or Afghanistan or whatever. And they can have that little spot, that little square of country soil, maybe grow grass on it, which you don't see a lot of out there. So that kind of reminds me of that. It just, and it lets us know the enormity of this moment for Naaman. And he says, from now on, I will never again offer burnt offerings or sacrifices to any other God except the Lord. See, these nations had many gods. And he is humbling himself here. He realizes that there is only one God. And he asks asks a curious thing in verse 18. He says, however, may the Lord pardon me in this one thing. When my master, the king, goes into the temple of the God of Rimmon to worship there and leans on my arm, may the Lord pardon me when I bow too. 
And you're thinking, what? He just said that there is only one God. And then he says he goes to with the king to worship another God, Rimen, and he's going to bow too. And is that okay? Well, there's more to it than that. He, he obviously is aware that that would be offensive to God. And so he wasn't asking permission to worship the God Rimen, um, but to do his civil duty, helping the king get down and up as he bowed, because it says he leaned on his arm, the king did. So he was there helping the king up and down. Also known as Hadad, Rimen was believed to be a god of rain and thunder. And unlike most of his contemporaries, Naaman showed a keen awareness of God's power. I'm getting this from my study Bible. Instead of adding gods to his nation's collection of idols, he acknowledged that there is only one true God. He did not intend to worship other gods. His asking for pardon in this one area shows the marked contrast between Naaman and the Israelites who were continually worshiping many idols. So, so yeah, I don't, he wasn't obviously wanting to worship that other God. He just wanted to do his civil duty. So, um, Elisha gave him a reprieve on that and said, uh, go in peace. So, okay. Then we come to the greed of Gehazi and this is horrible. I mean, you just think, gosh, Gehazi just does, does he just not get it? And Clearly not. Um, he was irritated that Elisha did not accept those gifts from Naaman. And so he runs after him and he tries to kind of make up a little story and collect the gifts himself. And I don't know why he thought he would get away with it. I mean, his boss is a prophet. Like he's not going to know. That just boggles my mind. Um, and, and Naaman's response was, sure, take twice as much as you ask for. In fact, he even sends two of his servants to carry the gifts for Gehazi, which must have been a surprise to him because he was like, uh, okay. But when they arrived at the citadel, says Gehazi took the gifts from the servants and sent them in back. And then he went and hid the gifts inside the house. So a couple of things. First of all, he tried to accept payment for something he did not himself do. He made up a story to accept this gift on these gifts on false pretenses. And then he selfishly hides them in his house. And he lies to Elisha because Elisha says to him later, where have you been? I haven't been anywhere. So he's lying to his boss who happens to be a prophet, which can't, I mean, that can't be a good idea, right? So I love how Elisha asks him, don't you realize that I was there in spirit when Naaman stepped down from his chariot to meet you? Is this the time to receive money and clothing, he says, and and vineyards and sheep and cattle and male and female servants? And he says, because you have done this, you and your descendants will suffer from Naaman's leprosy forever. And when Gehazi left the room, he was covered with leprosy and his skin was as white as the snow. So yeah, that was quick it was swift it was drastic that punishment and i think the idea of this passage isn't teaching us that money is evil it's that greed is evil gehazi was willing to deceive and lie this was a very selfish act 
So money isn't evil. And it's not trying to say that ministers shouldn't get paid. Of course they should get paid. People in the ministry should get paid. They can't do it for free. They have to pay their bills. They have to pay their mortgage and, and whatever. So it's it's more of a warning against greed and deceit. True service is motivated by love and devotion to God and seeks no personal gain. As we serve God, we need to check our motives. We cannot serve both God and money. We know that from Matthew six twenty four. So that's... um. That brings us to the end of this reading. I love it. I love that the um, the healing of Naaman, I love that that little servant girl, all she did was have a little conversation and she was thinking about somebody other than herself, even though they put her in a difficult position. She was held captive. She was a servant, but she still found it in her heart to care about her master. And so she said something and that created a domino effect which led to Naaman's healing his faith and probably effectively changed the faith of at least some of the people that were with him um and then obviously the lesson about greed is a good takeaway man that's just i mean Gehazi should have known better and it's disappointing that he did that so anyway um That's really it for today. I hope you all have a great day. I will talk to you soon.